Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you, too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka, and I wanted to welcome you to episode number 138 of ADHD for Smartass Women. I hope that you're enjoying this last full month of September. You know, I've talked a lot about the fact that I have an ADHD son, Marcus, and he's at NYU. He doesn't care, by the way, that I talk about him. He's really proud of his ADHD. But anyway, he just finished his first year. And in March, he decided that he was going to change his major to economics. So he stayed for most of the summer to take a calculus class, which is a prerequisite for his economics class and or his economics classes, I should say. And it almost killed him. All he did was study for the class. He showed up, he did all the homework, he studied for the exams, he worked with a tutor when he realized that he was really struggling and he wasn't sure he was going to pass. Now, thank God he did pass, so he doesn't have to retake it, but he didn't do that well. And this is the deal. In his psychoeducational testing, we discovered that he's actually gifted at math. He's one of those kids that he's really good at mental math. He's like this human calculator, yet he's always struggled with algebra and calculus. So he was really frustrated because he did so well in his first year at NYU, especially during the time of COVID, right? So he did a bunch of research and he came back and he said, Mom, I think I have visual processing disorder. And by the way, he diagnosed himself at nine with ADHD, but we didn't pay attention until he was officially diagnosed at 12. So when he now comes to me, I know to listen. He just really wanted to get to the bottom of this. And so he came home a couple of weeks ago. And since then, he's had a visual efficiency exam. Then he had a perceptual skills assessment. He was just tested for dyslexia. We do know that he does have a visual processing disorder, but we'll get the rest of the tests back next week and then we can put a game plan together. So in the middle of all this testing, I finally learned the difference between an ophthalmologist and an optometrist. 
An ophthalmologist is a medical doctor who can perform medical and surgical interventions for eye conditions. An optometrist is not a medical doctor. And I knew one was a medical doctor, one wasn't, but because the names sound fairly similar, I could never remember which was which. So optometrists are licensed to practice optometry, which primarily involves performing eye exams and vision tests, prescribing and dispensing, I guess, glasses and contacts. They're the ones that they can also detect certain eye abnormalities. But there's also a whole additional specialty within optometry known as, well, they have a bunch of different names. They're known as developmental optometrists, behavioral optometrists, and neurological developmental optometrists. I think they're also called educational optometrists. And this is all the same specialty. They just have different names. So the more I searched, the more I learned, I came across our next guest. And I knew about her expertise in ADHD, her brilliant blog called Black Girl Lost Keys. But what I didn't know about was her experience with vertical heterophoria and how being diagnosed with it literally changed her life. So for all these reasons, I am just delighted to introduce you to my guest, Renee Brooks. Renee Brooks is a late-life ADHD success story. After being diagnosed three times as a child at age 7, 11, and 25, she was finally able to get the treatment she deserved. Renee decided that her passion for helping others should be put toward people with ADHD who are struggling in silence or shame. She started Black Girl Lost Keys to empower Black women with ADHD and show them how to live well with the condition. She has contributed to Kaleidoscope Society, ADHD Women's Palooza, Mindfully ADD, and ADHD Essentials, while also writing for Healthline and being a patient contributor for Teva Pharmaceuticals Life Effects. Renee, did I get all that right? I feel like you got it all. And I, it's funny because I just looked at my bio the other day and thought, oh, I've done a lot of stuff since all of that. I guess I should add stuff to it. But who wants a longer bio, Tracy? Nobody wants a longer bio. It's too much. You know, the thing about it, though, is I think we tend to, and I hear this from guests all the time, we tend to not focus on all the things that we've done, right? It's all the things we haven't done. And so when I listen to that, I'm always like, oh my gosh, this person has done so much. I mean, do you feel that at times? Uh, you know what? It's like, I think we forget what we've done, but we also, besides focusing on what we haven't done, we are like lasered in on what we still have to do. It's like, <laughs> I have a ton of things that I'm supposed to be accomplishing. So I don't have time to think about like, girl, I have to add in a Washington Post feature and a New York Times feature. Like we're talking like career making stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, I could add it. But do you really want a longer bio, Renee? Yes. Yes. Those are really good things to add. And it's funny because it's kind of like, I mean, those are major accomplishments, but it's like, nah, I've got all this other stuff I'm going to do. And then we forget until someone's reading our bio and those two things are missing, right? Right. And I'm like, oh, gee, I guess you could add that in it. But I'm like, what do I take something away? Do I retool the whole thing? <laughs> Everybody hates writing their bio in the first place. Can we just be honest? Like talking about ourselves is something that a lot of us shy away from. Absolutely. But I'm going to make you do that right here oh and now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
So I definitely want to talk. So Renee and I just had the most confounding experience with tech. I could hear her. She couldn't hear me. And I was sure because, you know, I do this podcasting thing pretty regularly that it wasn't me. And of course, it is always me. It was me. So we're like a half an hour late. I mean, you're you're just so kind to <laughs> to hang well, in here so, with me. I was so relieved for once that it wasn't me. <laughs> okay, so we are definitely going to talk about vertical heterophoria. But can we talk about your ADHD diagnoses first? Right, because everyone's always like three times. They didn't know, believe you the exactly. first time. I literally have written in my notes three times, question mark. Like, what the hell is that about, Renee? I know it sounds strange, but the prevailing notion at the time, I was seven the first time that they they caught it and brought it to my mother. Now, to put this in perspective, I'm Black, obviously. They tested me without my mother's permission. We come from a community of people where our rights are frequently violated by the by the medical community. You cannot take a black child and test them for anything without the express permission of their parents, nor might I add, should you do that to any child? But if you're trying to really make sure you get some opposition, you'll test the black child without their parents' permission for a disorder and then come back and tell them that they have it. So that was what happened with diagnosis at seven and 11. And both times my mom was like, there's nothing wrong with my child. She's tested gifted. She performs well. Her grades are good, not quite up to where I want them to be, but they're certainly good. And I'm just not going to let you do anything that you feel like doing to my kid. So no, I don't want to hear this about this ADHD stuff. She took me to my pediatrician. My pediatrician was one of those old school, just give them more responsibility types. And so that's what she tried, which was the wrong thing. But, you know, it's not the strange thing about telling that story is that so many people try to spin it into black people are so suspicious of the medical community and they just won't trust anything that a professional says. That is not the case. My mother took me to a doctor who she trusted. And unfortunately, that doctor Mm. just didn't have the stigma around the disorder is the problem. My mother was not the problem. The doctor was not the problem. The stigma is the problem. You know, a doctor who'd gone through medical training 30 to 50 years before certainly couldn't have been expected to know what we now know about ADHD. And in fact, some of us, you'll agree with me, don't experience the level of understanding that we want to even nowadays when we go to the doctor. Some doctors are very prejudiced against the diagnosis and don't believe it exists. And they have medical degrees. So what was my mother, who has no medical degree, supposed to do? Absolutely. And I I would take it even a step further. I think most doctors still don't know what How ADHD about that? is. Yeah. So I, I, oh my gosh, that is just disheartening at best. And I think during that period of time, I don't know if we're around the same age, but first of all, you're a girl, right? Exactly. Nobody thought girls had ADHD. And even if you weren't a girl, if you were a boy, 
just the whole idea of what they thought ADHD was, was so different. I mean, the fact that you're gifted and you have ADHD, I mean, I still hear every day from women in our big Facebook group that they go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, you have all these advanced degrees, you're smart, you can't have ADHD today. Oh, yeah. Like the barrier to treatment that intelligence, and really what is intelligence anyway? I think a lot of us who are gifted come away with a big skepticism about the value (laughs) that people place on education because gifted or intelligence I mean, that doesn't give you emotional intelligence. Like there are so many different varieties of intelligence. And then (laughs) it's funny. Okay. So like, bear with me, but you know, you knew I had ADHD when you invited me on the show. So I'm going to take you on a quick story. I have locks. My hair is, is locked and it has been for years. And the thing about locks is that in the summertime, they're hot as hell. In the wintertime, they provide no protection from the cold. So it's bullshit, right? You would think if you're going to roast me in the summer, I'd get some protection in the winter. And that's what intelligence or being gifted is like. If you do something horrible, you're too smart to have done it. But if you do something well, there's no reward because of course you did it right. You're so damn smart. You should always get it right. There's no reward there. There's no protection. Mm. All your, your intelligence in the case of so many of us, is a burden because it doesn't do anything but give us trouble. That's really interesting and so true. I love the way you put that and the analogy you gave too. So your third ADHD diagnosis was, did you say 22 at 22? 25. 25. Okay, so what happened? So I was a grown up by that time and I had my first real job. I worked for one of the biggest insurers in Pennsylvania and in their Medicare division. And I was really great at the job. And then suddenly I got really, really bad at it. Couldn't keep up with it anymore. Now, knowing what I know about ADHD now, I can tell you I was great at it when it was new. When I mastered it, I didn't care about the shit anymore. Yeah, it was boring. Yeah, my brain said, nah, we're not going to do this. So I was very depressed and stressed out and went to my doctor and she said, this is bad. We're going to take you and and take you out on medical leave so we can figure out what the hell's going on with you. And we did therapy for about, I think we were on our sixth month of therapy with no particular relief in sight when I mentioned accidentally to the therapist, oh yeah, they tried to diagnose me with this thing when I was a kid and my mom vetoed that and I went to move on. She stopped me mid-sentence. She said, what did you say? And I was like, oh shit, I said something bad, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm caught. So I repeated myself and she said, okay, so what you're going to do is go down the hallway to my colleague and you're going to talk to him. After you talk to him about this ADHD thing, then you come back and see me. And that was the end of my appointment for that day. I still I can't tell you what I was talking to her about that day. I was so astounded that she put me out of her office that it's been completely wiped from my memory. What's so interesting to me as well is that you're being treated for, did you say depression? Depression. And I do have depression. I actually have, it's called dysthymia, like that persistent low level depression. Yes. 
Exactly. Which is a pain in the ass, might I add. I actually I've been meaning to shed some more light on that on the blog just to talk about what it's like to constantly be depressed. But it's depressing to talk about how you're depressed all the time. So I usually <laughs> try to avoid it. So the, the interesting thing though is you were working with that therapist on this dysthymia for six months and she didn't see the ADHD symptoms. No. And in fact, um, she was moving towards, surprise, surprise, bipolar disorder. Mm, yep. And I'm like, had I, had we not landed on ADHD, it would have been, to me, being diagnosed with bipolar disorder would also have made sense based on my family history. The nice thing is I come from a long line of people with mental health conditions. So just about anything you try to diagnose me with, I could come up with a relative who also has it. Yeah. So, <laughs> it was fortunate. It was fortunate that, that we landed on the right thing. And I know that we did because by the time I circled back to my doctor, now my doctor had been treating me for depression for the better part of a year. And she said, you know, Renee, if you want to, we can try meds. And I said, well, it seems to me like if what's happening to me is what I think is happening, that I've been dealing with this my whole damn life. And I, yeah, I can learn skills and I want to, but right now, give me the meds. Right. <laughs> like, give me well, the meds and let's get this show on the road. Absolutely. But absolutely. not if it's going to take another six weeks like these, you know, at this point, I'd been cycling through antidepressants, trying to find one without, you know, crappy side effects. By the way, it took me until 2017. We started this process in 20, 2009. But, um, oh, you know, it's a terrible pain in the behind. But she prescribed me stimulants and I took them and she said, you know, within an hour or two, you should notice whether or not they're working. Like, this is not this is not the same process as antidepressants. And I was like, okay, cool. Then we'll try them. Two hours after taking that medication, I was able to clean up my bedroom, which I had been trying to do, as crazy as it sounds, for about two years. And it was done and it was clean. And I was like, okay, this works. This is the right thing. Did it help with the depression? You know, the thing about being depressed and having ADHD is that in my mind, the depression that the ADHD causes is a situational type of depression. Like if you're getting written up at your job, if you're not able to keep up after your house the way that you want to, if you're always stressed out because you're always running late, those are situational things. Like that's not the same as major depressive disorder. And I think it's important that we distinguish like, hell yeah, you're going to be depressed if your life is always in a constant state of chaos from untreated ADHD. It's very depressing. And you know how smart you are. And you know how smart yeah. you are. You know that you're not living up for, to your potential because you have 12 years of report cards that tell you so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So once you knew it was ADHD and you had the benefits of hindsight and you, and you be actually believed that, oh my gosh, it is ADHD, what are some of the symptoms that you always wondered about, but now you recognize them as, oh my gosh, that was clearly ADHD? Do you know to this day, there are still things that pop into my mind and I'm like, I'm feeling the shame of that. And then I go, wait a minute, wait a minute that was ADHD. And I'm like, oh, oh, it was. 
you know, teachers would dump my desk out on the floor. They would shame me for not doing homework. They would make remarks about my locker or my forgotten gym clothes or the fact that I didn't, I left something at the house and had to call my mom who God bless her work third shift and usually would come if she could to bring me whatever it was I'd forgotten. And the chattiness and like, (laughs) there's so many things I can look back on and did, especially in those first years post-diagnosis where I was just like, why the hell didn't somebody get me some help? Why didn't you approach my mother in a way that she, like, you can't just come to someone and say, your very gifted child has ADHD, go put her on meds. You cannot do that to people. I mean, you can if you want to, but you're failing that family. You're not just failing the child. You're failing the entire family because my mother has to deal with the fact that I suffered all those years and she didn't know because she wasn't given the information she needed to help me. Funny part, full circle on the story. Like, I'm a writer. I I tell her all the time, I couldn't have written this ending. Nobody would have believed it. About three years ago, my mother got diagnosed with ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) Of course she did. Of course she did. Of course she did. Like The baby rabbit is like the mommy rabbit. (laughs) Ah, That's right. That's right. And, you know, a few years of maybe about a year or two ago, my nephew got diagnosed with ADHD and he was telling me about it. And I'm like, oh, say that's all right. I have ADHD. Don't worry about it. And he looked at me and he was like, you have ADHD? And he said it like, this is something awesome if you have it. And I was like, what would that have done for me? Yes. As a kid. And really, like, if I never do anything else, that was enough. Wow. I just Absolutely. Wanted, and they can look at you as a role model, right? Which it sounds like that's what your nephew did. It really was something else. Because, you know, I do videos and stuff. You know, he's a YouTube lover. So to have an aunt who does a blog and podcast and has merch, she has ADHD. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. So it was like, first of all, like, it was very like, uh, you like me. You really like me. But on the other hand, it was like, he's not going to have to grow up with all of that shame and blame and guilt and feeling damaged and broken like so many of us did. Yeah, it's not and I think that's why we do what it. we do, right? That's exactly why we do what we do. So that these kids, like, even if they get the shame and blame anyway, which they will, we can't protect them from it. But at least we can provide a safe haven and say, this is why people are taking this this way and you're fine and you're going to be fine. And you're not any of these things that people are trying to paint on to you. Yeah. An example of what's possible. Exactly that. Okay. So let's talk about vertical heterophoria. Oh my what the gosh. hell is it? Okay. So Short version, it's a misalignment of the eyes and it's not perceptible. So it's almost like um, almost like double vision would be, only instead of you seeing that your eyes are off, your body is able to correct that. Like, because you know, of course, your eyes see two separate images. Your, your mind reconciles them. Your eye muscles do. 
And in vertical heterophoria, because there's a misalignment, your body, your muscles, your brain are working extra hard to bring that image into focus. And that's when you're eventually, when you start to get headaches, vertigo, migraines, dizziness, nausea. And for me, neck pain. I had this neck pain that had gone on for years, like a permanent knot, like right around the base of my neck where it connected to my shoulder. And it was excruciating. So I finally get back to work after this ADHD diagnosis. And five years later, I'm on all of these meds for this pain in my neck. It's excruciating. So it's a, yet again, another condition that's interfering with my my chance to do my work and, you know, be a normal, productive human being. So. And so, so you, it's, was it the neck pain that was the worst part of it? The neck pain for me was the worst part. Runner up was the nausea, which is bad and headaches. I mean, I've had headaches. Was the nausea from the pain, Renee? The nausea was probably from the pain, but also, you know, when your body is working to correct that image, it's almost like you ever get motion sick. I get terrible motion sick. Yes. So it exacerbates those symptoms. So like even like <laughs> when I was a when I was a teenager, Grand Theft Auto was it still is like a super popular yeah. video game. Yeah, I would get motion sick playing Grand Theft Auto. It didn't stop me from playing, wow. mind you. <laughs> wow. I would get motion sick playing Grand Theft Auto. So it really is, it's the eyes causing that motion sickness. But I didn't know that then. And Even what back it, at what age did I the pain start? Um, I, I've always had a headache. Even as a kid, like I would have to go to the school nurse and get Tylenol. Like my fifth grade teacher would always tell me like, I don't know if you need Tylenol yet. Like massager massage your uh, your head for a minute and see if that'll work. And the, in, inevitably, I would be like, look, I just need to go get the Tylenol lady. Like, let me go get the Tylenol. And that was a fourth, not fifth grade, was fourth grade. And that was about the time that I got my first pair of glasses. And they wouldn't have caught that then either. It's like all of these secret diagnoses are like, really like they're a bit aggravating, just throwing it out there. And the only reason I found out about vertical heterophoria, believe it or not, was because of a podcast. There was a lady I was friends with who herself was an ADHD coach, and she ran into a doctor who was telling her about vertical heterophoria. And she was like, oh my God, ADHD people need to know about this. Come on to my podcast. And so I just so happy, like, you know how it is when you're friends with people, and especially when you produce content, you don't always get to listen to and read everybody else's content because looking looking at your own is a full-time job. So it's like, it's not even a, it's like, I can't look at anybody's content by the end of the day. I'm exhausted. I don't want to, I don't want to see any content. Right. But, so it was really just a fluke that I even had the time, because at the time I was doing Black Girl Lost Keys and working a full-time job still. So it was really miraculous that I managed to get over to this, but I was listening to it and she was going through the symptoms, the motion sickness, the neck pain, the headaches, etc. 
And I was like, this is really wild. So at the time, there were only about four or five doctors in the country that treated it. And just like with the ADHD diagnosis, I got lucky. There was a doctor maybe about an hour, 45 minutes from my house who just happened to be one of the five doctors in the country that treat this this eye condition. Just like I just so happened to be in the doctor's office, in the therapist's office where there was an ADHD specialist right down the hallway. Like there's something like, you know, in, in the context of storytelling that makes for compelling stories, but in the context of a person who wants to see everyone get the tools that they need to manage their health to the best of their ability, I find it extraordinarily offensive that not one, but two life-changing diagnoses occurred because of an accident. Oh my gosh. Well, this is my big problem. There are so many comorbidities, right? Yes. With ADHD. And it's almost like nobody integrates everything. You know, I was kind of liking it, well, I guess, to integrative medicine um, when it comes to mental health, where we, and it's not just mental health, it's also physical health. And so you go get all these separate diagnoses over time that, I, I, ugh, the, the whole thing is just so frustrating to me because there's nobody there that when you're diagnosed tells you these are all the things that you should look for so that you can put the whole puzzle together. And so I know with my son, we just right off the bat, it was like, once he got the ADHD diagnosis, well, it's ADHD. Well, meanwhile, now we're unwrapping all these other diagnoses that may play even a bigger role, certainly in his education. And so my question for you is, how does this vertical heterophoria, how does it relate to ADHD? Like, I've never even heard about it. And I'm the one who, you know, I do this. I do ADHD. I listen. I'm t- and that's an, isn't that the wildest thing? It's pure happenstance. Yep. It and these things should not be happenstance. They need to be documented in places where people who are diagnosed can find them and be properly evaluated for them. And to be perfectly honest with you, I'm not ashamed to say, I don't know specifically how it's related to ADHD. It's also related to um, traumatic brain injury. Really? Yes. Traumatic brain injury, vertigo, astigmatism, which is funny because, okay, like let's tie it all together. ADHD and astigmatism have a link too. And what is that link? Apparently astigmatism is a comorbidity. As is, what is the other eye issue? Um, oh my gosh, I can't remember. I know my, my son has it. Where um, divergence? Oh my gosh, yes, yes. I can't look, and I, there's there's more to the name, and I can't I can't grab yes. it either. But I know what you're talking about. I, okay, well, I'm going to put it in the show notes. I better make a look, make I was a note. Say, well, it'll be in the show notes. I know she'll get it in there, but neither one of us can can grab the name right now. Exactly. So based on the symptoms that you had all along from the time you were a child, what did the doctor say? Did they diagnose you with anything or were they just, honey, it's just a headache. There's nothing we can do. You know what? It was like the neck pain. The chiropractor tried to say that it was just like, you know, just wear and tear. And of course, I worked at a place 
where I had dual monitors, which tears everyone's neck and shoulders up. So it was just like, oh, it's this. And it made sense. It fit. But of course, my (laughs) having dual monitors on a person with a binocular vision disorder was like a nightmare. (laughs) Like to this day, I don't work with dual screens, even though they'd be handy, but I just can't deal with the headache by the end of the day. But working at a desk, posture is important. So it was like, okay, let me work on my posture. Let me make sure that I'm aligned correctly. So it's all these other things that you can blame it on, not knowing that it's actually, it can be all of those. And it also this eye condition, because I'll tell you, I noticed very quickly when I haven't been sitting at my desk and I've been working on you know, laying in bed, working on the laptop or laying on the couch, working on the laptop, that same pain will come up. And it's not because of my eyes now, it's because of my posture. So it's such a similar pain, there would Ah. be no way to notice. Yeah. That eye thing is convergence insufficiency. There we go. Yes. And it definitely is a symptom of ADHD. In fact, aren't aren't they working on studies where they can literally test for ADHD by testing for convergence insufficiency. I, I remember reading so something about that. so many different things like that, like sleep disorders that they're able to say, like, hey, if you've got sleep apnea, for instance, mm-hmm. which I do, like, I, I feel like I just have all the comorbids yeah. sometimes, but I and do. There's I have so many apnea. of them. There's so many of them. I mean, I don't literally have all of them, but right. I have a lot of them. And two, like as women, I think one of the interesting things that I've noticed, and of course we have no research to support it because why would they care about women mentally or physically? There are so many women who I meet who have PCOS, fibroids, and um, it's like, I don't know very many ADHD women who don't have at least one, if not several of those issues. And for me, it's PCOS. And when you look at the role that hormones play in our dopamine levels and put it all together, it's like, no wonder we're struggling so much when you've got all of these separate issues that really are related to the same thing, but nobody knows it. Absolutely. You know, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm just confounded because I'm wondering if vertical heterophoria is related to visual processing. And I'm thinking about my son who did vision therapy at 10 for the first time. That was the first time he had a visual efficiency exam. And we did 10 weeks of vision therapy based on the results. And at the very bottom It said, perhaps he should get a perceptual skills assessment. But then when we were done with the vision therapy, nobody came back and said, you know, we need to do this. So, of course, we're not, you know, we don't know this. We're not optometrists. We just thought it was all resolved. And then when he was finally diagnosed for ADHD, it was kind of like, okay, that's what it is. So we blame everything on ADHD. And so now I'm sitting here thinking, okay, he just came home. He had a visual efficiency exam. Then he had a perceptual skills assessment. Now he was just tested for dyslexia. And after all this testing, I don't even know if he was tested for vertical heterophoria. And And as I'm sitting here listening to you tell me the symptoms, he's had headaches. He has vertigo. He had a 
concussion from a, I think a football injury. So we just thought, okay, well, that's the vertigo. He has stomach problems, which lead to nausea. And you're sitting here telling me it gets worse with age. He's only 19 years old. So, Oh oh my gosh, you're right. And if he was diagnosed with vertical heterophoria, if they actually tested him for it, which I don't remember seeing it anywhere, he would have been prescribed these glasses, right? Is, isn't that what Oh my the- gosh, yeah. It's just, it's a, like, Tracy, for all of those problems, it's a pair of glasses with a prism in it. It's like, for a problem that caused that many problems, the solution was so easy that I could have, like, just cried. Oh my word. And I, fact, I am literally if I sitting could here go thinking. Back and find the podcast episode. I like. I literally, and I still have the recording somewhere. If I can track it down, I'll give you the audio. I recorded the entire session with my doctor because I wanted to be able to use it again in the future. And I don't think I've like it was released partially on on this lady's podcast. But of course, mm-hmm. the audio is mine, so I can do whatever I want to do with it. I would love to hear it. And I would it's love amazing. for him to hear it because we know, right? Yeah. When it's when we finally figure out what it is, we know. I am just confounded. I all of these professionals, and I don't think he was tested for that. And they know he has ADHD. This and is it's insanity. Not well known. Like it's another one of those things. Just like the, when we talk about the the set of symptoms known as rejection sensitive dysphoria, like it's right there. It's not hidden. People just don't put it together. People are so mired down in the research about ADHD that it's difficult for them to understand how these things apply to real life scenarios. When you take the criteria and say, when you take all these things, this is what it looks like in real life. They go, oh, of course it does. That is so frustrating as a human being trying to live well. Well, and it starts with the experts, because like you said, most of them don't know. So my question for you is, who diagnoses vertical heterophoria? Is it an optometrist or is it an, it must be an optometrist, right? um, Do you know what your doctor was? Dr. Kathy is an ophthalmologist. Ophthalmologist. Well, we didn't take him there this time. (laughs) No, but yeah, like, I mean, Tracy, you can do all kinds of things. So you get the shoulder, head and neck pain. It can make your anxiety go through. Of course. It can cause people issues with driving. Like there are people who cannot drive because they're locked up with anxiety. It's because their eyes. Well, and it makes sense as well, because when you're under that much stress and that much pain, of course... Your amygdala is firing, right? The cortisol, the stress hormone, is coursing through your body. This causes more mental health issues. It causes more physical health issues. It's all connected. When I tell you, and it, like I'm, t- I like I really am. I'm going to work and track down this audio for you. Thank you. I'd like, love to hear it. Not a problem at all. Like during the appointment, they put on like a tester set of glasses for you that have the prism in them and they sit you down and they're like, you know, they sit you in front of the big window in their office and they say, you know, don't focus on anything in particular, just stare off into space. And then they have you come back in 15 minutes later. And she asked me, she asked me before I went out to rate my pain, 
and she came in and look, now I'm tearing up all over again. She said, what would you rate your pain as? And I said, it's almost gone. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That quickly. Emotional moment because I had been like, when I tell you I was on tramadol, soma, flexoril, like heavy, heavy medications to control this pain. Like I had a, a, your doctor, I didn't even know this was a thing, can have a compound pharmacy mix a cream that you can apply to areas when you're in pain. So this is how far I was going just to be able to not be a lump on my couch that was in excruciating pain all the time. Like I was back in insurance at the time and a girl made a joke. She has no idea how badly it hurt me. She was like, oh, it's Wednesday. Renee never comes in on Wednesdays. Well, what she didn't know was that Monday and Tuesday, I would be at that computer and it would tear me up so badly that by Wednesday, I was in so much pain that I couldn't come in. That is horrible. And and how long did this go on for? Uh, it was about a year, year and wow. a half. Wow. Well, you have certainly given me a lot to think about and a lot to research. And I am telling you, if he was not tested for vertical heterophoria, I am just going to be livid given the, just the amount of money all this stuff costs, right? It does cost a lot. Like even like getting tested for vertical heterophoria is not necessarily inexpensive. Although I will say that because it's considered a, a a lot of, it's, your eyes, but it's actually a physical problem and it can be covered under your medical insurance versus your visual insurance because it's something that an ophthalmologist has to treat. But it's so wild, like little things like standing up quickly from a seated position. You know how you shake your head really rapidly? That can make you feel like it's, it's, it's a bizarre, bizarre, bizarre thing. But the solution is it's so easy that it's it's painless. Okay. Oh my gosh, there was a reason I needed to speak back to you. Of the car? Does he have trouble riding in the back of the car? Does he get sick? Yeah. I'm t- have him get tested. Even if it's not that, they might be able to figure out. Like there's something I, I would it would be worth the time that it takes to get him tested. And he's in New York. In fact, the doctor who I first heard about this from is in New York. Okay. So do you remember who that is? The name? Yeah, I'm on the website now. In fact, if you look at the vertical heterophoria article on my site, the test. Okay. We're going to link go that. To, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cheryl. That Dr. Doctor. Cheryl. Mm-hmm. That doctor is the one in New York. It's the Neurovisual Center of New York. Okay. So, Renee, what are the ADHD traits that you feel are responsible for your success? So if I had to pick, I would say, you know, lots of people with ADHD have a very strong sense of fairness or justice. And having the experiences I had where I wasn't diagnosed in what I felt like was a timely fashion and the impact that I took to my self-esteem and my success really prompted me to go out and 
right that wrong, so to speak, so that other people weren't suffering the way that I had to suffer. And that, and I, I think that hyperfocus can make us very tenacious in pursuit of a goal, even though it'll wear you out in the process, it's still getting the job done. And so, you know, I'm grateful for those things, even though they come with their cons. The pros are also, they're good. I'll take them. I'll keep them. And um, creativity is also another one, even though, you know, neurotypicals can be creative too, but nonlinear thinking is really more so our thing. And I'm grateful for it. Perfect. So what do you think the key then to living successfully with ADHD is? Self-compassion, patience, both of which I think are extremely difficult for us to acquire. But I think one of the ways that we do acquire it is by building community. And like, Tracy, I know you get it because we both have gone out there and built places where people with ADHD can feel safe and have a sense of community and make connections. And as those connections grow, you begin to see the disorder is not just this set of qualities that are messing with your life, but as like a normal part of the experience, that normalization helps to rebuild our self-esteem because so many of us, we're, we're separate. We don't know anyone like us. We've never met anyone like us. And you feel like the only person who's not picked or preferred and you meet a bunch of people like you. And for the first time, you get to know what it feels like to be normal because in the context, like, you know, in the greater context of society, I'm probably offbeat, but as far as ADHD people go, I'm pretty average. <laughs> You're absolutely wonderful. <laughs> if people no. knew how many tech problems we've had, literally your tenacity and the fact that you just keep riding with it. I mean, it's a joy. I, I'm just so <laughs> delighted to finally meet you. Oh, thank you. Likewise. This happened with you and not someone else. So Renee, <laughs> thank you. Okay, Renee, last question. What is your number one ADHD workaround? Oh, you're experiencing it. Like my life has been, and remember, I'm not just a person with ADHD. I was raised by a person with ADHD and that gives you, like, let me, to channel my inner Liam Neeson, it gives you a certain set of skills. I know what to do when shit goes wrong because shit goes wrong a lot around here. <laughs> so you learn not to take it so personally. And then, you know, like, of course, you know, sometimes the RSD comes in and jumps you and beats you up for things going wrong so often. But it's the same thing that makes a person in trouble give me a call. Like all of my friends, it's like I'm MacGyver. It's like, what happens when all the batteries in the house die and you can't figure out what else to do? Call Renee <laughs> because I know the solution 90% of the time. Or I can go, uh, you know, if you Instacart right now, the store doesn't close until seven. If you 
place the order right this instant. In fact, don't worry about it. I'll place it for you. I use Instacart all the time. They're on their way. Don't worry. Talk to you later. Bye. Click. And then I'm off to the next thing. You are a problem solver extraordinaire. It really does make you a problem solver extraordinaire. And like like I said, what what problems I can't solve, my mother can solve. But you know what? It's so funny because now like the having lived in that chaos for so long and then you you learn how to work well with your ADHD and kind of set some normalcy for yourself. Sometimes I get really bent out of shape now when I've put all of my skills into making sure that things go smoothly and they still get jacked up. Some <laughs> days I really, really get bent out of shape for that. Now, when it's somebody else, somebody else's responsibility, then I'm like, don't be so hard on yourself. It's great. But if it's my deal, if, it, if I was the one that was supposed to make sure stuff went smoothly, oh, some days I get very bent out of shape about it. It's the cobbler's kids without shoes, right? You know it. I'll be like, I can't believe that I spent all this time preparing. Because, you know, I hate preparing. And I actually put effort into preparing and it's not going right. What kind of bullshit is this? Like, so I do. I get very, <laughs> very offended. <laughs> but I'm learning how to bring some of that spontaneity back because I miss it. Nobody wants to be a t- Lord, forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> It's made me a bit of a tight ass and I'm trying to like get out of that habit again because I don't think those kind of people are pleasant to be around and I don't want to be that person. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I know for me, the worst thing I can do is get into negative emotion. Then I literally can't get anything done. I just spiral down. So Renee, are you working on something that you want to tell us about or share with us? Oh my gosh, I'm always working on something. Of course you are. So I got a book deal, so I'm working on that. Oh, Renee. Oh my gosh. I'm so, I was actually thinking, because you know, of all of our tech problems, we've had to come back a couple times and re-record. And I was literally thinking not even an hour ago, that woman deserves a book deal. So I'm so delighted to hear that there's one in the works. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I did that. I've got, I'm waiting. Like, you know how it is behind the scenes. Like there's these things that are happening. And so I know about them and I'm never sure what I'm allowed to release. But this month, there's something big coming. If they release it, I can't tell you what it is yet, but stay tuned. When it's released, you'll be one of the first people to know. It's awesome. It's actually like when I started the blog, this was like a bucket list thing that I wanted to do. And it happened this year. So if people want to find you because they want to know more about these things as they come up, where do they go? You can go to blackgirllostkeys.com. Hopefully I will have gotten better about updating when really cool things happen. (laughs) It's, it's on my, it's my, one of my goals this year, because like I said, I like talking about other people. I want to hear about other people. I'm not particularly sold on talking about myself all the time, but I'm, people want to know what's happening. So I'm trying to get in the habit of being like, hey, this happened, this happened, this happened. Because people people learn stuff about me that's been going on for years 
Like someone the other day said, you coach? And I'm like, oh yeah, I've been coaching for like two years. And they're like, I didn't know you coach. I coach. I write books. I wrote six books last year. I decided I wanted to have a set of workbooks about different topics about ADHD. So I did one about cleaning. I did one about fashion. I did one about ridding yourself of toxic influences I did one called Guard Your Yes about how to stop saying yes to everything until you're so overwhelmed you can't do anything. So there's that. I got a store full of t-shirts and fidget toys and all of that. Like this was all last year. I just decided I was going to do everything. Well, COVID, right? There was Right. Like there was no excuse not to. It was like all those things when, when you're like, you know, if I had some time to sit in the house, I'll do them. And of course, you know, we throw deadlines, uh, not deadlines, but outlines and things together for stuff. We might, I've got a book that I wrote in 2015 and there's no one, do you know ADHD alien? She is the only human being who has ever seen this book besides me. (laughs) So one day, one day it'll come out. I get it. It's that creative brain. I'm telling you. So they go to blackgirllostkeys.com. Dot com. Dot com. And if you want to go to the shop specifically, it's blackgirllostkeys.com forward slash shop. If you want to hear the constant stream of conscious thoughts that I have going on, you'll probably find most of those on Twitter. Because as soon as I think of anything, I'm always like, well, let me tweet that and talk to other people and we'll just hash it out together. So there's a lot of that that goes on over there. Um, What's your Twitter media, handle? It's Twitter would not let me have all of the characters in my handle. So it's actually BLK Girl Lost Keys. There we go. Okay, at. Almost threw the dot com at the end of it. And I'm like, there's no dot com at the end of a Twitter handle. (laughs) I know. So we will have all these links in our show notes. Renee, thank you so much for spending time with us here today. It really has been an adventure. (laughs) It was. Like, look, so there we go. Like anytime either one of us get asked, have you met the other? We'll be like, oh, let us, let me tell you about how I met Tracy. Let me tell you about how I met Renee. <laughs> well, I'm going to report back to you as far as what, what happens with my son and um, the vertical hetero- heterophoria, because I am just blown away by those symptoms. I'm just blown away learning that it gets worse and worse. And so maybe that's what's been going on all along. Who knows? Tracy, I really ho- like, I don't hope that he has like a rare eye condition. Of course, that's not what I'm saying. But if that's, you know what? I'd rather have him have the diagnosis and the solution than continue to suffer. I really hope it's that because the solution is so simple. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I have heard so many wonderful things about you. Well, thank you. So that's what I have for you for this week. If you like this episode with Renee, please let us know by leaving a review. 
Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. And you know what? Your reviews really help in that regard. One more thing, if you've got a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic idea for this podcast, you can go to my website at tracyoutsuka.com and leave me an audio or written message. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.